Welcome to episode 63 of Board Game Blitz, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to teach a group of new players how to play vast for the first time. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about games with unique victory conditions. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, like the Enigma Emporium Presents Wish You Were Here and the app version of Stockpile. Then, we talk about games where your goal isn't just about having the most victory points. Finally, we wrap things up with a look at the etymology of the word unique. And now, here are your hosts, Ambie and Crystal. I got a review copy of a new puzzle game called The Enigma Emporium Presents Wish You Were Here. So the game is called Wish You Were Here, and the company is The Enigma Emporium, but I guess... The whole title is what I said before. They want to make sure that their company name is out there, everywhere, going places. Yeah. So Wish You Were Here is currently on Kickstarter, but I got an early review copy and I actually wrote a blog review on the website. So you can check that out if you want to read it and see pictures of it. But it is a puzzle game. So it's kind of like an escape room game, but there's no time limit. And you can use the materials they give you, which are physical materials, and also the internet. So you can search things online and they have some puzzles that have to do with that, which is kind of neat. It's a similar concept to Dispatch by Breakout, which I've discussed on the podcast before, except Dispatch was a subscription service which got expensive, but the Enigma Emporium company, they're just one-time puzzles and you pay the upfront cost. So Wish You Were Here is, it's just five postcards. So I think on Kickstarter, it's $12 for the whole thing, which is, I think, a pretty affordable price. <laughs> but Yeah, that does sound pretty affordable. <laughs> so the reason it's so cheap is because the contents, it comes in an envelope and it's five postcards, double-sided color. So they're nice quality postcards. But um, they can do all of the puzzles on the postcards. So the puzzles are a lot of ciphers and stuff. I can't, like, tell you what everything is for spoilers. But it's open-ended game. There's there's no instructions that I got. Just, like, a, the postcards with puzzles. And some of them have letters that you figure out after you decode it. And it tells you a story. So I took the postcards with me on my commute to work. I take a shuttle to work. And I, I brought a notebook to take notes in. And it's very portable, and I'm just playing it by myself, and I have my phone for the internet. Some of the puzzles, you might want a computer to be able to type things out, because some some uh, cipher puzzles, it's easier to type out to uh, have have a computer solve it for you, <laughs> because sometimes it takes a long, lot of manual labor otherwise. But I, I liked it. I liked the puzzles. They were all different, and there were like, four or five puzzles on each postcard so that's like 20 20 to 25 and then like an overall puzzle and it it had like a story that went together the story wasn't super fleshed out because it's a small thing and like compared to dispatch which had like multiple months worth of content or an escape room that has more decorations this was less of a story but a lot of puzzles which i enjoyed so if you like like cipher type puzzles, then you should probably check out Wish You Were Here by the Enigma Emporium. Yeah, I mean, even the escape rooms that have a story, like I, mm-hmm. I should clarify, the escape room games that have a story, like it's 
oh, I'm an evil yeah. person and I've trapped you in my cabin. Yeah, I guess the story never was get more. Out. <laughs> so it's like. Yeah, yeah. So this one, I guess the story was probably more story than that, but just less decoration. Because in escape okay. rooms, they have more decoration. So this had story between that and dispatch, but no, not really any decoration. It's just five postcards. But it okay. had some online stuff. So taking into consideration its size and cost, um, how would you rank this against the other games that you've played, like Dispatch or mm-hmm. some of the Escape Room games? Like if you factor that part in, because obviously yeah. if cost were no object, I imagine, you know, the <laughs> ones that are more fleshed out and more elaborate would probably come out on top. But if, yeah. if you had to use cost and size. Yeah, for... I definitely like it more than Dispatch. I actually stopped Dispatch and threw it away. So I... <laughs> um, yeah, it feels so like a whole bunch of people got very excited about Dispatch and then very quickly just yeah. stopped talking about Cause, it. Because so. I think the concept was great. But this actually does the concept better. It the, Not as much story, but more on the puzzle side, which I like because I like doing puzzles. And so you do a puzzle and then there's immediately another one to do. So you just keep doing puzzles the whole time, which is cool. Oh, it also has a hint system online, which is nice. I used it a couple times, but I also looked through all of them afterwards to see if they're good hints, which I think I think they're good. So that's nice. But yeah, I, I like it. I don't know about, like compared to the escape room games, I, I think I like the escape room, the exit games more Okay. still, because I like... But it's a different experience because this one I played by myself. I don't think I would play this with a group, but the escape room games, I like working with a group more. So that's more like the stress of solving a puzzle quickly with with your friends, whereas this one is more laid back and you're just solving puzzles by yourself. Or well, that's and what I, think I did. In so. theory, it would be nice, like especially for you, like on your commute, you can pull it out, solve a puzzle or two, and then just put it back in your bag and then mm-hmm. pull it out again later. Whereas those escape room things are kind of, you have to play them in one shot yeah. generally. So this gives you a little more flexibility in how you want to play it too. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I, uh, I'm i glad that they sent over a copy. So thank you to the folks over at the Enigma Emporium yep. for being willing to toss that over to us. I'm, I'm a little bit jealous. I won't lie. <laughs> That's the problem with us being in two different cities. Man, if you and I lived together, yeah. we would probably, like, we we tend to, we've gotten reached out to a couple of times from different companies wanting to send us review copies of games, but we, we often turn people down, uh, either because we're not certain we'll be interested in it, or because it just feels weird, especially when we had three hosts, to accept a game, but then only mm-hmm. have one of us play it. Um, because truthfully, we do like to be able to have, you know, meaningful discussions on the show, especially if it is for a review of a game that's more formal um and unfortunately we don't get to do that often but fun fact you and i are going to be together a couple of times in the next few months because we've got bgg con coming up soon and then just two months after that we've got the dice tower cruise and it's weird that it's two months because it's a whole calendar year (laughs) right and then just two months after the dice tower cruise we've got dice tower west so in the next six months you and i are going to see each other more often than usual so i suppose if anybody does have a review copy they want us both to look at this is maybe a good time to reach out i don't know we don't need review copies of games for the record uh but yeah it'll be nice because we don't get to play games together that often so cool 
So I actually want to talk about a game that I've discussed briefly on the show before, and that is Stockpile. Stockpile came out originally in 2015 from Navu Games, and I discussed it in uh, episode 39, which was our top five surprises. This game was number one on my top five surprises list because I did not expect to like it, and I loved it. So I'm actually going to talk about the new app version of Stockpile that just came out a couple of weeks ago. But since I've never fully discussed how Stockpile works, I'll give a brief overview of that. In Stockpile, it is a pretty straightforward and streamlined stock market manipulation insider trading type game. All of the players are trying to make the most money by gaining stocks and using their information about the stock market fluctuations to try and sell stocks at the best time. It's the whole, you know, buy low, sell high kind of mentality. And every round, players get to help decide where the the cards that come out that have different companies on them are going to go. And then players bid on the stockpiles where those cards went. Uh, And then every round... Everybody knows one piece of information about the stock market communally, and then everyone has a secret piece of information. So you'll know if bottom line bank is going up two points this round. Maybe everybody knows that, but you'll secretly know that Stanford Steel is going down four points this round. And so you can use that information, especially if you're like at the end of a round, because everybody sells stocks in turn order at the end of a round. And if you're the last one to go and you know something's about to tank, you can sell all your stocks and get money. And then uh, if a stock fully bottoms out, anyone that has those cards has to discard them. If a stock hits the top of its track, then the stock splits and all of the stocks that you have of that specific type become doubled in value, essentially. There's some other nuance in there, but that's kind of the gist of it. It's fairly simple and it sounds boring truthfully like I don't understand how this game is so magical but I really love it and so when I heard that a new app version of it had come out and it was right before I left for my cruise I was like I looked and it was like oh $4.99 and I was like I already own the board game and I play it sometimes and I do I really need to spend another five bucks on an app and then I was like well we're going on the cruise I'm gonna have some downtime well sure I'll buy it This is the best five bucks I've spent in a while. This app is so good. I have not found any noticeable bugs yet, and it's brand new. The gameplay is really quite smooth, and I'm playing on an iPhone X, so my screen is not tiny, but it's also not large, and I don't have any issues manipulating the things in the app Um, It shows the stock tracks pretty clearly, even though they're kind of small. And it has all of the content from the expansion as well. And that's Mm, free. Like, I know a lot of board game apps, like, give you the base game and then you have to pay more to get the expansion content. Not so here. When you buy the $5 app, you get the base game, you get the expansions, and all of the modules are, you can select them individually. So you can play with whichever modules you want. Um, It has a bunch of different AIs of different skill levels, everything from easy to hard. And they have like three different hard AIs. Obviously not being able to see the back end of the app, I can't tell you for sure (laughs) if those hard AIs are programmed to act differently from one another. You know, they're definitely hard. Like I'm good at this game. 
I think. <laughs> I'm pretty good at it. And I can't beat them sometimes, like no matter what I do. But yeah, I think as far as apps of board games go, this is probably one of my all-time favorites. I've played it uh-huh. so much. And it wasn't just because I was on a cruise, although that definitely factored in. Because <laughs> like any of the apps that I have to be connected to the internet for, I could not play. But yeah, so if you are a person who likes app versions of board games, definitely check out Stockpile. Uh, I cannot speak to whether how easy it is to learn the game from the app. They do have a very clear tutorial mode, but I kind of blazed through it and just looked at what you need to do within the app itself since I already understand the mechanics of the game. So I can't speak to how well how easy it is to learn the game itself from the app, but maybe some of our listeners on Twitter can chime in. If you have got the Stockpile app and had never played the Stockpile board game before, uh, tweet at us and let me know if it was easy to learn the game, and then I'll retweet you so our uh, listeners can get that information, because it's hard for me to, I can't, you know, go back in time. So (laughs) I don't have those powers. (laughs) So did you play mostly single player or have you played multiplayer at all? So it does have local multiplayer in Mm -hmm. the app. Um, I don't think it has asynchronous online play. I'm going to pull it up right now and look just in case. But I believe it's just... Here, let's see. Oh, no, there's lots of... Okay, I'm just silly because I've been (laughs) skipping over the first page. So I've only played it solo so Mm -hmm. far with against AI. You can play a... You can join the queue for a ranked game. You can invite a friend to an unranked game. Or you can play locally against a friend or the AI. So there's lots of options. I have not played any online games. I should definitely do that. Yeah, because I played this on the cruise. So, of course, like, I just skipped yeah, yeah. over. I wasn't even looking at it. Honestly, I think I downloaded this the day before we left. So, so that is Stockpile. For today's thematic discussion, we're talking about games that have win or victory conditions that are not just solely most victory points wins. There are a lot of games where the win condition is whoever has the most points at the end of the game wins. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a lot of games that don't. And I know for me personally, I, since I'm not very much of a Euro game player, uh, a lot of the games I tend to love do not have points as a sole victory condition. Yeah, and we're not going to say like, oh, money, most money, that, that counts as points too. Yeah, I mean, basically, if there's a a numerical value that people are acquiring throughout the course of the game or at the end of the game, and that and whoever has the most of that thing, like that counts, obviously. (laughs) But I mean, there are some games that have that as an aspect, but then have Mm -hmm. other win conditions that are possible as well. Like Seven Wonders Duel is a good example of that. Like technically, Mm -hmm. there's a few different ways you can win that game. You can win via a military victory or a science victory. But if no one hits one of those conditions, then at the end of the game, you defer to victory points on the cards you've accumulated. And I think there's a few games that are kind of like that. Yeah, I played one recently called Tulip Bubble. It's an economic game, but it's kind of like a race for someone to get the most money to be able to buy this black tulip and whoever gets that wins. But if no one gets that, then whoever has the most money wins uh, when it ends. (laughs) So there's like multiple end conditions and multiple win conditions, I guess. Yeah. There tend to be, I think there's some specific categories of games that could generally just be grouped into types of games that would fall into our determination here, our definition of non-victory point games. Um, You wrote down some stuff in our notes, you know, social deduction games. Player elimination. 
cooperative games. Some team games, too. Um, oh, that's true. Like, I was thinking Captain Sonar, but although, like, in Captain Sonar, you're damaging the other submarines, so maybe that could be considered victory points because it's the first to three damage points, maybe. But it doesn't really feel like that. No, I would say it's actually more properly clarified as player elimination, but it's team elimination instead. Mm-hmm. So because you have to kill the other submarine. Although I yeah. guess since there is no way to gain back health, then yeah, it's first to it's... three hits or points too. And because it's only two teams, whereas in games with more players in player elimination, like Risk or something. Oh yeah. Like is a two player game ever player elimination? Or is it <laughs> yeah. like chess technically? Like you have to corner the other person's king. Mm-hmm. So is that, yeah, is that player elimination or <laughs> like what? Just winning. What, what, yeah, like it's just, it, you've you've hit a win condition. But to me, that's not, yeah. like it's definitely not victory points in that in, instance. Yeah, you've, chess is definitely not. Um, although I think people have a way of doing some sort of points during the middle of the game to see who's ahead in chess. Wait, what? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I'm not like a chess player, but I think people have like each piece is worth a point. Or each piece is worth a different amount of points, so you can, like, this person's ahead by so much at at, at a certain state in the game. (laughs) So even if there aren't points in games, people will try to make their (laughs) viewpoints. I I like games where there are multiple paths to victory. I think sometimes in games that have a single win condition, whether that's points or otherwise, occasionally Mm -hmm. you run into that problem where one player is running away with it or everybody else is doing well and you're not doing well and you kind of feel like there's nothing you can do. And Mm -hmm. even if you're not like the type of person who has to win, it can be difficult to continue playing a game if you feel like you have no chance. So I feel like in games with multiple win conditions, it can kind of sometimes alleviate that problem. And I know it's expected of me, but I'm going to bring up Star Trek Ascendancy because... Like, there, you can win by taking over the other player's home worlds, which is by fighting and battles, or you can just build up a whole bunch of culture to gain ascendancy points. So in theory, if the other players are dueling it out and fighting each other on the other side of the board, you can just start exploring and finding more ways to generate culture. Like, there's ways to do things. Or even if somebody, like, wipes out your fleet, if you can still generate culture, you still have a path to victory in a game mm-hmm. like that. And I think that that's important in especially longer games like that to make sure that there isn't somebody that's left in the dust necessarily. So... Yeah, and that just reminded me of Antiquity, which is a game I played at Dice Terracon for the first time. And in that game, it's a civilization building game, but there are different victory conditions and you don't choose it until the middle of the game. So you choose your own victory condition when you build a cathedral and there are like five different ones to choose from. So you you choose which saint you're going to worship and then that determines what you want for the victory condition. So the victory condition that could be like you build all the buildings or you have a bunch of people or you've conquered this many people. So that was pretty That's unique. Really cool. That's, <laughs> yeah. So does so do you wait, do you pick individually like everyone picks yeah. a different victory condition? Yeah. You could pick the same as someone else, but yeah, you pick when you build your cathedral. <laughs> That's fascinating and I like that's really neat too because that that actually ties directly into what I was just saying yeah like (laughs) like like if you're doing really poorly in one aspect of the game but you can work on something else Mm -hmm. 
man, I don't, do I want to play Antiquity now? Like, <laughs> it's a splatter game. They're known oh, for. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm just going to keep making noises like that for a little while. I, but I really liked it. <laughs> I, I have a feeling this is the type of thing that my friend Greg would hear and be like, what, you want to play Antiquity? I'll bring Antiquity. Like, you've met Greg, you know. Yeah. Like, he would totally just be like, yeah, yeah, we should totally do that. But I, I don't, I'm not saying for sure I want to play it, but I'm at least casually interested in not avoiding it. How about that? Oh, that's the most wishy-washy answer I've probably ever given to anything. We also, so that also then ties into other games that have asymmetric win conditions. So there are games where, not in the middle of it, but right from the get-go, the players mm-hmm. have different winning conditions. One of my favorites of those is Rex, which was originally Dune, the fantasy flight game that is set in the Twilight Imperium universe. And yeah, all of the players have a different win condition. Like it's and it's interesting because like one of the players' win conditions is to bet on which round of the game the game will end and which player will win. And if they guess correctly, they win instead of the player who met their win condition. Like, that's fascinating to me. Like, they don't have to do... I mean, obviously, they'll probably use their gameplay to try and manipulate the game in the way they want it to go, but they don't actually have to do anything (laughs) with themselves, theoretically. They just need to make sure the game ends at the time that they've guessed it will. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. That's interesting. That reminded me of Two Rooms of a Boom, which is social deduction and has alternate win conditions for everyone. Especially if you have gray rolls in there, they just like either team red <laughs> wins or team blue wins, but then gray is on, not on any team and they have special win conditions. I still so. contend that my favorite game that I've ever played of Two Rooms in a Boom was the one at BlitzCon where we <laughs> played with almost all gray yeah, rolls. That was so funny. That was amazing. And I, I wish I could play that game more often, but it feels like you have to have the right group and the right person leading it to make that game really work yeah. well. And, and it I don't a lot feel of like, people. Yes, and a lot of well, that also. Um, although at BGG Con or Dice Tower West, uh, we could probably make that happen. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's not one of those games that I like crave. Like I don't yeah, really yeah. like. I'm not compelled to seek it out, but I do enjoy it when I play it. So yeah, same here. Yeah, <laughs> and you you recently uh, talked on the podcast about Villainous, that new mm-hmm. uh, Disney themed game that also had asymmetric win conditions, right? Yeah. So like Ursula had to do get something. The- <laughs> <laughs> Ursula had to get the crown and the trident. And put it to her cave, and Captain which like Hook none has... of the other villains are looking for that stuff at all, right? Yeah, like because everyone has their own deck of cards, so it's yeah very different. And the Captain Hook has to defeat Peter Pan, so that's completely different. <laughs> and there's also games that instead of having a single winner, they have a single loser, which <laughs> is I, I, unique in its own right. I would say the the mass market version of that would be Jenga, <laughs> Jenga because yeah. <laughs> whoever knocks the tower over loses. And then everybody else wins? Like, okay, so here's an interesting question. Does a single person losing make everyone else a winner? Cockroach Poker also has that, I think. Like when one person loses? Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I marked everyone else as the winner in BG stats, so yes. Okay, so so (laughs) Ambi has declared it. I think it's interesting because, yeah, like if you didn't do anything to cause your win. It's just somebody else happened to lose. I don't know. It feels 
weird. And also, why are games like that popular? Like, especially like Jenga, which is geared towards children. Like, (laughs) I I mean, I admittedly, I know I played Jenga as a kid and I don't remember feeling especially disheartened. Maybe because I usually played it two player. (laughs) Also, when I I remember playing as a kid and not really caring about winning, like it wasn't really a game. It was just playing just, and then watching it fall over and <laughs> yeah it was just more, like you were trying not to knock the tower over but it wasn't for the sake of winning it was just to yeah. not be the one that knocked the tower over yeah i definitely was not playing competitively when i was a child <laughs> <laughs> i uh i mean i was really good at jenga no i don't know i was probably bad at it <laughs> like so it does not sound like something that i would be good at honestly i haven't played jenga in a while i know they make those giant jenga sets that like you can put in your backyard they're made out of like giant blocks of wood i've always been curious about the physical physics of those because when you make things bigger the physics often change so <laughs> we, we actually my dad made a giant jenga set for my wedding oh, out really? of two by fours yeah i have a picture on my bgg page of people playing they got it like <laughs> it was insane they had like three rows in a row where only the middle piece was there and it was all like a leading tower of jenga <laughs> what happened when it good. fell was everybody okay I don't, yeah i I don't remember. I don't think I saw it fall. I don't know. Oh, no. That's the best part, though, especially with a giant one. Yeah, like, I, I'd i be curious. So do you remember, like, did it seem like it was working similarly to how a regular Jenga tower would, would work? Like, Yeah, I didn't actually play it, but it seemed like it was working fine. I don't know. Maybe it, I don't know if it's easier or, or they're just really good. <laughs> okay. Well, then there you go. I don't know. There's other categories of games that are not victory points, like area control games, where just having the most of an area or the most things will win, or like having specific areas controlled at the end of a game. I will admit, I don't have a lot of knowledge about this one, but I was doing some research, and apparently the game Hera and Zeus has multiple loss conditions rather than multiple win conditions, which I found to be pretty interesting, although I don't know a lot about it. Um, We said social deduction games fit into mm-hmm. this pretty pretty easily. Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways you can win games. And I think people more think that victory points are the most common, and maybe they are just because of the sheer number of Euro games. But I would say that games with non-victory point win conditions have definitely been growing and are becoming far more prevalent in our hobby especially. For this week's etymology segment, I'm going to look at the origins of the word unique. The English word unique originated in the 16th century when it meant single or solitary. It can be traced back to the middle French word of the same spelling, which finds its roots in the Latin unicus, meaning only, single, sole, or alone of its kind. That word came from the Latin word onus, meaning one. Going further back, the roots of these words came from the Proto-Indo-European root oino, which meant one. The definition of the word unique, meaning forming the only one of its kind, came about in the 1610s, while the definition meaning remarkable or uncommon didn't come about until the mid-19th century. Hopefully, you found this information and our discussion about victory conditions a pretty unique part of your day and your podcast feed. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages, including our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Board Game Geek Guild. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. Love Champions of Midgard and wish you could play in that world in other ways? Reavers of Midgard is coming to Kickstarter on November 1st, so set a reminder in your phone now and check it out. 
Gray Fox Games, quality games cleverly crafted. If you're enjoying the show, you can rate and review us on your podcast provider or consider becoming a patron. For as little as $1 a month, you can unlock access to unedited episodes and our private Slack channel, which lets you chat with us and other Blitzketeers directly. Head to patreon.com slash boardgameblitz to become a patron today. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mao. Board Game Blitz is part of the Dice Tower Network. Until next time, one of these games is not like the other. One of these games is especially long. Can you play a game that's not like the others? Or should I sing another song? <laughs> Bye, everyone! Bye! <laughs>